0: we've been going through a series in Ephesians. Uh, I want to let you know a little bit about what's going on. Soon we're going to be entering into a time where I'm going to share with you some vision and mission for the church and some exciting things that are happening in the future. I'm looking forward to share that time with you and uh, other things going on. But uh, we've been going through the book of Ephesians and we've been going uh, verse, not verse by verse, but just looking at some of the major themes there in the letter to Ephesus. And I, I really thoroughly enjoyed that. Today, we're going to go in another direction, even though we're not done with the series. There are times where God just moves me to, to go in another direction. And uh, as much as I want to move forward in the series that I'm in, right, there are times where I feel like I have to park and step back, listen to what the Lord is saying. And, and obviously, it's better to listen to that than what I have planned. Amen. Amen. So today, if you will go with me to 2 Kings chapter 17, today I want to talk to you about our legacy. Uh, I, I want to share with you a message called Our Legacy, entitled Our Legacy and Their Future. Our Legacy and Their Future. Today, I want us to think very hard on this question, and I want us to give the Holy Spirit permission to reveal to us the truth about this matter. The question that I want us to ask ourselves is this, why are we Christians? Why are we Christians? Why do we say that we're Christians? Maybe you're here today and you are saying, well, I don't say that, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a Christian today. Well, You may be off the hook, but listen, because this is going to be, I believe, a message that will be a blessing to you. But maybe you're here and you are a believer. You number yourself among those who say that you are a Christian. I want you to ask yourself this question, why? why are you a christian is it simply because we want to go to heaven that we say that we're christians is it because we want things to go better for us here on earth that we say that we are christians is it because we say that jesus died on the cross and we believe that he raised from the grave but that has no connection to our everyday living why do we say that we are christians and then secondly i want us to ask ourselves this question What is the goal of our Christianity? What is it that we aspire to? Or what is it that we have in mind? What is Christianity about? Are we here and we're saying, well, you know, I just—I know that Jesus died on the cross for me and uh, He rose from the grave. I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved, but I'm just trying to get saved. I'm, I'm just trying to make it. That's the goal of my Christianity. I... I want to do enough to get by. Right. Or maybe you're here and you say, no, I want to seek his face. I want to be about Jesus. I want us to ask ourselves, why do we say we're Christians? What is the goal of our lives? You know, sometimes I think that most of Christianity today looks like, well, we're just trying to do enough to get by. We're just trying to do enough to get by. And I begin to ask myself, God, is that even a possibility? God begin to deal with me and speak to me about what it looks like to just do enough to get by. And the great consequences of that. And I believe that as we look at the scripture today, that we're going to see an astounding report of what it looks like when a people try to do enough to get by. 2 Kings chapter 17, I'm going to read verse 24 on down. It reads this way. Now, before I read that portion of scripture, let me give you a little bit of a context so that you can understand why we're reading here, what what we're reading here. Uh, At this point, Israel has become two nations, Israel and Judah. This is now talking about the Israel portion, right? Israel and Judah split. Now, Israel was so unfaithful to God that God brought some severe judgment through the hands of the Assyrians, and in their judgment... In the judgment that God brought, he displaced Israel. He moved the people from Israel, moved them into another land. And then the king of of the Assyrians at the time began to move a mass amount of people from Babylon and different places to begin to change the culture, to shift the culture of Israel. Now, in the process of that, the Assyrians are beginning to live their lives. And so this is what happens as they begin to try to live their lives as they would live it in their land, in the land that is apportioned to God or in a land that God has called blessed, a land that God calls Bethel, his dwelling place. The scripture reads this way. And the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and Sepharvaim and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the people of Israel. And it took possession of Samaria. Now, Samaria is Israel. That, that, when it talks about Samaria, it's talking about that land. Took possession of Samaria and lived in its cities. And at the beginning of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So the king of Assyria was told, The nations that you have carried away and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the law of the God of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among them, and behold, they are killing them, because they do not know the law of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, send there one of the priests whom you carried away from there and let him go and dwell there and teach them the law of the God of the land. So one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and lived in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. But every nation still made gods of its own and put them in the shrines of the high places that the Samaritans had made. Every nation in the cities in which they lived. The men of Babylon made Sukkoth, Benoth. The men of Kuth made Nergal. The men of Hamath made Ashima; And the Avites made Nibhaz and Tarkek, And the Serphavites burned their children in the fire to Adramalek and Anamelech, the gods of Sephar- Sepharnite Baim. They also feared the Lord. And appointed from among themselves all sorts of people as priests of the high places, who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. So they feared the Lord, but also served their own gods. I want you to understand here when it says fear the Lord, it's not actually, it's more so they had religious practices that seemed to honor God. But at the same time, they were worshiping other gods, right? There was a duality in their lives after the manner of the nations from among whom they had been carried away. Now to this day, they do according to the former manner. They do not fear the Lord, and they do not follow the statutes of the rules or the law of the commandment that the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. The Lord made a covenant with them and commanded them, You shall not fear other gods, or bow yourselves to them, or serve them, or sacrifice to them, but you shall fear the Lord." who brought you out of the land of Egypt with great power and with an outstretched arm. You shall bow yourself to him, and to him you shall sacrifice. And the statutes and the rules and the law and the commandments that he wrote for you, you shall always be careful to do. You shall not fear other gods. And you shall not forget the covenant that I have made with you. You shall not fear other gods, but you, uh, but you shall fear the Lord your God and he will deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. However, they would not listen, but they did according to their former manner. So these nations feared the Lord and also served carved images. Their children did likewise, and their children's children, as their fathers did. So they do to this day. Father, I thank you for your grace to deliver this word. But most importantly, your grace to receive this word. Lord, today give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Let an anointing fall today that would lead us to repentance. Father, we thank you that when you discipline us, it's because you love us and you draw us closer. God, I thank you for disciplining me first, dealing with me and dealing with your children. It is your outstretched arm to love us. Have your way, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So today, as we look at this portion of Scripture, I want us to notice a little bit about what's going on there. These people, the Assyrians, now that have been placed in Israel or in Samaria, are a people who are completely unaware of how to live in the place that belongs to God, Bethel, the place where God dwells. They were completely unaware they came in there thinking that they can live in their detestable ways without consequences. Often their detestable way, ways meant that they were worshiping God that would promise them power. And gods that would promise them wealth. And gods that would promise them sexual gratification. A lot like the gods we serve today. Are you with me? And so as these... Uh, images are being carved up and these people are doing these ter- terrible things where even their children are being sacrificed. They, they think that they can get away with this in the land where God has called his home. The consequence comes very severely where the judgment of God begins to, begins to fall on that place and they are suffering due to their lack of reverence. The fear of the Lord means reverence, honoring God, responding to him and acknowledging his ways. They are suffering due to their lack of reverence for God, their lack of the fear of the Lord. And the king heard about what's going on, so the king said, let's send a priest. Let's send a priest of of the people of that land to teach them how to live so that they don't suffer these consequences. And so a priest of God has been sent to them to teach them the way that they ought to live, and God shows mercy as they begin to revere him. And in the process of this, you would think that the Assyrians would have responded in such a way, at least it seems to me, where maybe somebody should have had the thought, you know, this God of Israel is an awesome God. We should forsake all other gods and worship Him. Because really, truly, it is the mercy of God that judgment comes to our lives, to lead us closer to Him. And truly, it is the mercy of God that a priest was sent to teach Him the ways of the Lord. And so they begin to fear the Lord, the Bible teaches us. But then they begin to, they made a decision that was a destiny-shaping decision. It was a decision that would begin to shape the legacy that they leave behind and would affect generations after generations after generations after them. And that decision was this. They begin to fear the Lord or do religious practices that honored God while at the same time honoring their gods. They were going, doing the church folk thing. Can I get an amen? They were doing the thing that seemed acceptable to God, while at the same time not letting go of the practices that they had in their former life. There was a duality in their lives. The people made a decision that shaped destiny. And that decision was this. We're going to do enough to get by, but not enough to get the favor of God. We're going to do enough to make sure that we're not being mauled by God's judgment. Just enough. But we're not really going to let go of who we are. The cost is too much. The cost is too much. That life changing, that destiny shaping, that legacy leaving decision. Begin to change. Change or changed, or affected the way the generations after them responded. They set the precedence for every generation after them. The Bible teaches us very clearly, and their children never forsook their ways, but rather they did the same thing. They feared the Lord, and at the same time, they served other gods. They did religious practices unto God, but at the same time, they had this mixture of ungodliness and wickedness within them. And it affected their children, and it affected their children's children. Now, this is a very strong scripture, and when I read it today, I want you to know that this is the same generation. Now, for those who don't know, uh, uh, may not know this, I want to just share this with you. There's another portion of scripture that talks about Nehemiah and how he went to build the walls of Jerusalem. And there were people that stood against Nehemiah building the walls, the walls that God wanted him to build up. It was, it is believed by many scholars that these people, even though from Samaria, these, this 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 movement is this, this generation is uh, is where Sambalat Tobias and the gentleman from uh, the other gentleman named there came from. So, two hundred and eighty years later the influence of disobedience, of a duality, of serving God and serving an other false gods was affecting the generations. Do you see that? This is two centuries, almost three centuries, of, of, of a duality in their service to false gods. Now, what is the application? What, what can we gain from this portion of Scripture? Can I tell you that the similarities... To our lives and to the Assyrians are very, they're very there are some strong assimil, uh, there are some strong similarities number one, the Bible teaches us that all humanity all humanity is alienated from God because of sin, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible teaches us that you and I are just like the Assyrians in the sense that we are completely separated from God. Nothing about us is attractive to God in regards to righteousness, because we're not righteous, we're not good. But now in the midst of that reality and the fact that we are separated from God, God loved us so much that he showed his mercy by sending his son. The Bible teaches us that he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son, that whomsoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So here the king, in this scripture, sent a priest to teach him the ways of God. But our God sent the high priest, Jesus Christ himself, not only show us the way that would honor God, but also to die in our place and pay the price for our sins. And yet in the process of that, Jesus just died for our sins and he does offer us eternal life and he does give us joy and peace. But there's something else that he calls us to, and that is the cross. He says to us, I want you to have my name. I want you to be my sons and daughters. But you need to understand something. If you're going to take on my identity, you got to let go of your identity. Amen. You can't have my name and another name that you bear. You, you can only have one name. So, in the process of that, God loves us and he calls us to eternal life and he desires us, but he doesn't, he doesn't he's not second best. And he doesn't share his throne with anyone. The Bible says you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Either you're the temple of the Holy Spirit or you're a temple of some other spirit. In the process of that, he does offer eternal life. But he says to us, pick up your cross, let go of the world, and follow me. Now I think that when we look at Christianity today, and I want you to know that I'm not excluding myself this is your pastor dealing with this word himself when we look at the reality of christianity today it seems like most of us are comfortable with the idea of oh we'll fear god but we'll also fear other gods well what are you talking about pastor i don't be playing with the ouija board i don't got no carved images i don't be doing any of that i don't even watch movies that aren't pg-13 you know but the reality of the matter is whatever whatever we give our hearts to whatever we're really spending our time entertaining ourselves with our hearts are there so we got to really let the holy spirit of truth just lead us and really purge us and we got to ask ourselves this question and really ask god to deal with us and tell us are there gods are there things in our lives that we put higher than you see that can be the checkbook, that can be the house that can be ministry that can be facebook that can be the phone that could be anything are you with me in comparison to our delight in god what do we delight in most and i can tell you that there you'll find your god So as I began to look at this scripture and I considered the context in my context and what the Lord was dealing with me about. I realized this, that many of us have made this decision. I want to do enough to get by. I want to do enough to get by. If I can do my religious practices. You see, I realized today that I can go to church with the best of them. I can become a member. I can be Uh, serving in in volunteer work. I can do all kinds of things in the church. I can be typing. I can do everything that is expected of me to do in the faith community, and yet my heart be serving someone else. I can look the part. I can preach the part. I can act the part. I can dance the part. I can do it. All of that. And yet my heart not be submitted to God. And I even realized that, you know what, there are instances in my life where really I'm fearing God, but there's a duality that God wants to crush in me. Now the consequence is this, my friends. If I don't deal with the duality in my life, if I make the decision to just do enough to get by, if I just make that decision, the reality is I won't make it. I won't just get by, because it's going to affect me and my relationship with God, and it's going to affect the relationship my children will have with God, and it'll affect the relationship my children's children will have with God. And who knows a hundred years from now what my compromise can do to my generation. One of my greatest, one of my greatest prayers is, Lord, I want my daughters to to experience a greater glory than i have i don't want it to be said of me oh that's that one preacher with them crazy daughter that don't love god at all i don't now i know that they're going to make choices i'm going to love them through the choices they make but i'm praying oh god give them a greater fire that means so much to me that i would prefer dying right now to make sure that that generation has a greater fire you understand the kingdom of God matters to me. I want my daughters to love God. I'm beginning to think, God, deal with me. Now I'm going to share with you something very personal. Just the other night, I'll say this in, just the other night, God speaks to me in dreams often. And uh, I oftentimes try to run away from that because my family. There's generations of dreamers in my family. And oftentimes, you know, to me, it's just like, I don't want anything to do with that. But God speaks to me and I got to be obedient to what he says. And I had this crazy dream where we were in the house, my wife and I and our children. And uh, there in my house, we had lions as pet. How cool is that? (laughs) Right. And so I thought, man, this is incredible. But then I began to realize these aren't pets. These are threats to my children and to my family. And I began to try to shield my children because they were unaware of how threatening they were. And I began to just kind of try to close door after door after door to try to get away from these beasts. I looked at my wife and I said, Becca, we got to get rid of these animals. we got to kill them or we got to ask somebody to remove them. And she said to me something to the extent of the cost is too high. The cost is too high. Wow. We've tried before. And I began to think to myself, well, maybe, maybe, maybe they're not so bad. And I woke up, I didn't think anything about it. As a matter of fact, I actually forgot the dream. It wasn't until that morning when I began to do my devotions where the Lord led me to the scripture. And then be- the Lord began to deal with me and he began to say, and I'm going to confess because I want to live in confession. I believe that if I live in confession as a pastor, then the church will walk in freedom as well. Amen? Is that all right? So I began to, I began to deal with that. I called Rebecca and Rebecca, at, or I texted Rebecca and she says, What do you think that is? I said, I don't know, but I, I believe the Lord is calling us to begin to pray. And I believe this word is for the church, not just for us, that God is wanting to crush idols in our lives. I don't really know what that looks like, but we need to begin to pray. I consulted with a friend, and we talked, and then the more I sought the Lord, and I'm just going to tell you, uh, this may be, it may be different for you, but I'm going to tell you the process of God dealing with me, okay? There may be other gods that we're battling with, but these are the gods that I was dealing with, and I'm going to just be open and honest with you, because I am free in Christ Jesus, amen? And so as I was dealing with that and seeking God and saying, God, what is it? It was evident to me. He said, the way you rest and the way you entertain yourself, those things have become idols in your life. They become idols. And I begin to realize that when I rest, typically I'm in front of a TV watching something or I'm on the computer watching something or I'm reading something on the phone. And I begin to realize, man, when I come home, What do my children see me do? Do they see me resting and enjoying God and enjoying them? Or do they see me answering emails, answering Facebook messages, reading BBC, watching something on TV? And then the Lord began to deal with me, and he said this to me very, very graciously. My son, don't you see? Your daughters think that you're being fulfilled by what you watch. They see you doing your religious practices, but when you're home, they're watching how you do life, and they think that you're fulfilled by these things that you entertain yourself with, and because of that, they themselves will order their steps according to how you're leading them, and they also will be entertained with the things that you entertain yourself with, and then the Lord, be, the Lord gave me a quick picture immediately of my daughter being Lord, this is the way the Lord speaks to me, of my daughter being Lord by the social media and hooking up with someone who had bad intentions for her and ending up in the human traffic world. And then it was as if he was saying to me, son, do you want to be responsible for that? She may not end up in the human trafficking world, but her soul will belong to another. And I wept. I talked to my wife. We wept. We grieved. And we began to deal with that immediately. Begin to make a commitment. Hey, you know what? We need to get rid of. This is, this is us, okay? I'm not saying, just, God, I got to get rid of Netflix. We got to turn off electronics at home. I got to do whatever it takes to crush this idol because I refuse to let my daughters deal with duality. And I begin to just say, God, God, begin to help us and mold us and teach us. How quickly we are to run to a movie with our kids and how hard it is to get on the trampoline and jump with them. How quick we are to just want to put them in front of a movie on the screen and how slow we are to play a game on the table. And listen, I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about lacy parenting. I'm talking about having dual gods that are taking me from where God wants me to be as a man of God for my house. So I've been crying, and I've been weeping, and has stopped. I've asked, purge, God, purge, purge. Just cleanse me. Just cleanse me. I, I don't want my daughters to live with the duality that I struggle with. So God, just begin to cleanse me. I want you to crush this in me that they would be totally free from that. And I'm confessing this to you today, and I'm talking to you about idols today because surely I know that there are idols here. That God wants us to leave at the altar. But you know why else I'm sharing it? Because I don't want you to think that I have a veil in my eyes. You know, with the, I don't want to live this covered life acting like you know, I'm walking on cloud nine and God is not dealing with me, right? And God is not breaking me. And giving you that assumption, it, it, it would be so hypocritical. And I believe that if I lead with that example, you will do the same. And ultimately, we will end up with idols in our lives, raising generations of generations of generations of people who serve God, and serve other gods. So I believe God's calling us to come to him with those false idols. It is his very love who says to us, put them, leave them at the altar. Leave them at the altar. Begin to delight yourself in me. Entertain yourself with me. Will you stand with me today? Hallelujah. Brother David, would you help me with this? Rebecca and I begin to make assessment. I said to her as we were talking and dealing with this, She one question she asked, she said, so what do you think it is that we're supposed to do? What is it that God is calling us to do to get rid of? What do, what do we do? And I remember saying, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I said, I don't know what it is, but whenever the Lord reveals it, we're going to feel like the cost is too much. Are you with me? I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, we're going to feel like the cost is too much. You see, following Jesus, following his steps, he says, let go and follow me. It's a reckless abandonment of everything else to honor him. Oh, I know that we've been preached that Christianity is easy and all this stuff. Listen, listen, God loves you. Eternity, he's created you for eternity. But boy, the cross is real. The narrow path is real. But it is his very love that calls us to it. Would you pray with me? Lord, today as a pastor of this church, I want to come before you broken vulnerable, and in repentance. Forgive me, God, for not learning how to rest in you and allowing myself to be distracted by the things of the world. Forgive me, God, for any dual worship that may be living in me, I pray, God, Reveal it to me, God, that I may put it on the cross. You call us to holiness, which means you make us holy, but you call us to—we got to we gotta take the step. And to look today, Lord, I repent. I repent, and I'm asking Holy Spirit, strengthen me and teach me Your truth, that I may raise a generation of Nehemiah, Elijahs, Joshua, Samuel, Hannahs, Marys, as opposed to a generation like Semballat. Tobias, Saul's, and all those who've compromised. Lord, right now I pray for the children of the rock. I pray for my daughters. We parents stand before you, God, and we say we need you, Lord. Not only us parents, but all of those, we have people around us that are looking to us. Oh, we need you, God. Strengthen us by your spirit. To set the godly example you call us to, God. Lord, I thank you. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, today as I'm hearing the word, I, I realize that there are some false gods, there are some things uh, that God is wanting me to put at the cross to walk away from that's you right now, would you join me at the altar? Right now, you're saying there's a duality in my walk. I realize that I'm serving God, but there are other things that are taking my attention that I'm delighting in that aren't pleasing to God, and today I want to deal with it. Today I want to deal with it. I'm already at the altar, 9 o'clock. I was weeping, been weeping for the last couple days. You know God's dealing with me. I'm just welcoming you today. Hallelujah. You're here today and you're saying there's a duality, there's, there are some things that I am delighting in that I need to turn over to God. There are some things right now in my life that I want to surrender, that I want to surrender. Hallelujah. 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 maybe you're here and you're saying pastor i know exactly what i gotta let go of but this is scary i don't know how to live without this i don't know how to live without this i want to tell you that jesus is better that the price may be high but what god has for you is much better than you can imagine imagine what god has for you is greater more wonderful more fulfilling more satisfying than anything you can imagine would you turn to God and say, God, I want to give these things to you. I want to give these false gods to you. Whatever that may be, God, my house has become a God. My finances have become a God. My weekends have become a God to me. Would you turn that to the Lord today? We're going to be praying here at the altar. If the altar workers would join me here, Let's let's pray for them. those who are here at the altar. God bless you. May the presence of God go with you. May the peace and the presence of God lead you to worship him alone. Him alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a good day. Hope to see you at the picnic. We're going to be praying here at the altar.